so I do. It's actually it's a little bit of an uncomfortable Wemby prop, but um, everybody's looking at the points, the rebounds, and stuff. I'm looking at his turnovers. Um, so his turnover lines at two and a half, but this is something I just think that he's going to go over this. He's gone over this, and he went over this in like seventy percent of games uh, in the French league at one and a half. Um, so there's a decent amount of juice on it right now, but I think it's honestly like a full turnover short. And I kind of compare him like in terms of like build. Obviously, he's still bigger, longer, lankier. But like when Kevin Durant came into the league, his first like month of the season, he was at, he had multiple turnover games mm-hmm. like five, five, six, four. So at one and a half, I just like I don't like the juice could be like minus one sixty, and I think it's still worth laying on this Wemby prop. I'm on the same thing as you, so I'm glad to hear that you you see it the same way as me. Let's not even just look at this game, but let's look at the season. I mean, we obviously know he's the favorite to win Rookie of the Year. We know where the hype is, but there's also, listen, a lot of talented players in this rookie class, including Chet Holmgren, who you know didn't play at all last year. Ryan hates the fact that he's still considered a rookie. doesn't bother me at all because he didn't play in an NBA game. But what are your expectations season-wise for Wemby, especially because unless it's changed, I know his there were at least a few books that had his total games played at only 65 and a half. Yeah, I mean, look, he's he's got such a unique build. It's kind of hard to kind of project like exactly how many games he's going to play. But I would imagine the Spurs, you know, are kind of careful with him. Um, I I like Chet. I think Chet's going to be awesome. But my bet for rookie of the year was Scoot Henderson. Um, I think that as a young point guard, um, he's going to have the ball in his hands. He doesn't need somebody else to help facilitate the basketball for him. Uh, and he's going to get the action. Whereas, like, even Chet, you know, he's dealing with so many other mouths to feed in Oklahoma City. And then for the Spurs, like, they're starting so hot at point guard. Like, there's that's not like, I, I don't know, like, I hope he does well, but he's not a true point guard. I think it might be a little bit harder to get Wemby the basketball in advantageous scenarios as much as, you know, like he probably wants to or maybe like we want him to just as fans watching the game. What do you think about Coach of the Year? I think there's a couple different angles. Uh, I like Chris Finch uh, with the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think that that team is like one of the teams that's poised for a rise in the West uh, with Anthony Edwards obviously playing pretty well for FIBA um, in in Team USA. But I also think if you're looking at the Eastern Conference, you could maybe look at like Quinn Snyder because that Atlanta Hawks team, uh, you know, now they're going to get a full season with him. Uh, They moved on from John Collins, so maybe like the locker room's a little bit better, a little bit different. Um, And I think that he can, Quinn Snyder's the type of coach that could really unlock some of the guard play between, you know, DeJounte Murray and obviously Trey Young. So I think both of those teams are teams that kind of underperformed the past, you know, couple seasons that could really take that step forward in their respective conferences. Joe, what are your thoughts on the Pelicans this season? You know, because last time we saw them fully healthy, they were the number one seed in the West, and then, you know, Zion went down, everybody kind of got hurt, and they fell apart down the stretch, but they have so much depth. I really like B.I. when he's healthy, and Zion, and Alvarado, all those guys off the bench. What do you think about them this season? I mean, they're so much fun to watch, right? And, like, when Zion's healthy, he's like a top. 10, 10, 15 player in the league. So I really do. I'm excited to watch the Pelicans. I hope that he can stay healthy because I think that they'll only go as far as really he can go. But I does feel like an odd fit, right, with the Pelicans. Like they seem to have like two, like one guy that needs to kind of be like maybe consolidated or expanded in a bunch more role players, like whether it's Ingram or McCollum or somebody like that. But it would ideally for them be great if they could start Zion at the five. But 
uh, he's injured so often, it's kind of hard to move off of Jonas Valanciunas, who's been great when Zion's been out. So I'm excited to watch them play, but I think that they could have a great season, but they're kind of one of those teams that I definitely want to back on like a night-to-night basis. And if they look great going into the playoffs, then yeah, like maybe I'll throw something on them. But uh, I'm definitely just excited to watch them play. We were talking, oh, sorry about that. We were talking about just the depth and rotations of uh, certain teams and how that affects the props that we play, right? Denver, not a particularly deep team. They run, you know, seven deep, and a lot of those guys get heavy minutes. Are you looking at that in terms of rotation size when you're looking at props to play on a night-to-night basis, or are you looking more so at, like, opposing defense in the total? Um, I think rotation absolutely makes a difference. Like, I'm a big Knicks fan. So the Knicks are one of the deepest teams, if not like the deepest team in the league, right, in terms of their rotation. Like they're basically 10, 11 guys deep. And we've seen Tibbs, you know, run sometimes with the hot hand or close with whoever's hot. So I do think it makes it a little bit more difficult to back a team like New York or their individual player props just because he might change who he's going to close with on any given night just based on who's playing so well. So on a team like that, I think you can really take advantage of maybe like first quarter props or, like, I bet the Knicks in the second quarter today against Boston, which I think they're up right now on the quarter. But just because of their depth, they're going to really be able to take advantage of some of those, like, thinner bench units of teams. Like, even as good as Boston, they're really only six deep in terms of, like, who we think is really good on that team. So that's kind of the way that I target some of those rotations. Talking to Joe Delera at MGM tonight, I'm really high on the Thunder this year. I think they've got a chance to take a serious jump. I mean, even without Chet Holmgren, I think I'd feel the same way about them. Their win totals around 44 and a half. They've kind of hovered in that, you know, that mid 40s. They kind of make me think of a little bit of where like the Cavs were a couple of years ago. I mean, they had that one year where they doubled their win total and then took the next jump. Obviously, you have Donovan Mitchell and you add that to the mix. Where do you see the Thunder this year? I think their window I, – I obviously like the Thunder. I think that they're great. They're, they have so much young talent. I think that we'll know probably within the next, like, two weeks exactly where they're going to kind of end up. And I think a lot of it's going to depend on Chet and whether or not he can play the five. Because if he can play the five, it opens up so many things for them. And then maybe all those assets, like Sam Presti was kind of questioned about it in the offseason, maybe that's the spot where they go, all right, we can make a move now. We can make a big splash in the trade market because they know that Chet can play the five. If he can't play the five, then I could totally see them, you know, like kind of like lingering in that play-in area uh, because their rotation maybe isn't as good. And then maybe they say like, you know what, like let's try to pack it in, get one more draft pick, a guy that can play the five and uh, like really go from that point. So I think a lot of it will depend on how good Chet is at playing the five. What do you think ends up happening with James Harden? Because he wanted to report, it sounds like, or he wanted to join <laughs> the, the uh, 76ers. Yeah, and they were like, no, nah, we're good. So what do you think ends up happening, not only like with James Harden, but the entire situation in Philadelphia? Like, if they start off slow, any chance and Bede gets moved? I just, I think they could be a nightmare this season, honestly, even though I do like the upgrade at head coach, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a rough situation, and I don't totally know, like, what's going on with Harden, you know, like his personal situation or anything like that. So, um, you know, it's tough to handicap from that perspective. But I think from what you're bringing up about Joel Embiid, like, yeah, like he definitely hinted at the fact that maybe he wants to move, maybe he he just wants to win. And I think that that really could make for a lot of turmoil in Philadelphia – the one player that I think is going to really excel, though, is Tyrese Maxey. We have obviously seen him 
uh, thrive when James Harden is off the floor and he kind of gets the ball in his hands. And Nick Nurse, we know he likes to run his starters into the ground. I could totally see Maxi playing just an obscene amount of minutes this season. Tibet for most improved player. Uh, and I think that just in this game coming up, his assist line is at like four and a half. I think that that's a great spot uh, to kind of back him in this first game of the season, too. Yeah, I like Tyrese Maxey, especially exactly what you're saying is Nick Nurse, his rotations are always really small. He doesn't trust any young guys. What do you think, though, about Tobias Harris uh, under a Nick Nurse system? Do you think that helps his production, hurts it? Uh, it can't It can't hurt. I think that the one thing is he's probably pretty excited he's not just going to be asked to be like, standing in the corner shooting a three every so often. Um, I think that Nick Nurse will maybe be able to use him. He's obviously not like Pascal Siakam or somebody like that. But if you remember, like when Tobias Harris was on the Clippers, like he was great. Like people were like, he's, he's like a 20-point scorer. He can really score uh, in a multifaceted type of way. I'm curious to see if maybe Nick Nurse can get a little bit more usage out of him to try to, you know, just at least change his role. So I definitely could see some differentiation in terms of how Tobias Harris was used from last year to this year. You know, we're trying to find the, I guess, the angle or, like, just where you could maybe find a soft number or something in the MVP market. Because a lot of these names are the same with, like, Jokic and Luka's at the top. And I don't think he's going to win because I don't think Dallas is good enough. And Giannis has been there. And Tatum, do you trust? And Embiid and the Sixers probably won't be good enough. And Steph. And then we kind of come across Devin Booker. And the numbers already moved to 16-1 to after last night. I'm worried, and I don't know how you feel about this, that he would get, you know, he would... Not get he would lose votes. People would hold it against him. That he's playing with guys like Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal, but who knows how many games they're going to play? And on top of that, it looked like Devin Booker is kind of taking over as the alpha on that team. Does it look that way to you? And do you think that he could have a season good enough, even with both of those stars relatively healthy, where he could win MVP? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's possible. Like he looked like he really took a step forward, and especially if he's going to start shooting a lot more threes which is something that Frank Vogel kind of talked about in the offseason, saying like he wanted the Suns to take more threes. So that could really expand his scoring ceiling. And, you know, if he's going to score 30 points a game and the Suns are dominant fourth in the West, then, like, sure, he could definitely win MVP. But I think that the name of the guys that you said, like Tatum in the East, um, it's like his advanced metrics don't always line up. I think he could wind up just being, like, best player, best team, and Tatum's, like, 9-1 to one right now, too. Joe, uh, I know we hit on the Mavs-Spurs game. Uh, Spurs four-and-a-half-point dogs in that game. Anything that you like in the other two games out west? we got the Kings one-and-a-half-point favorites against the Jazz on the road, and then the Blazers nine-and-a-half-point dogs against the Clippers later on on the road. Um, you know what? I was looking at uh, I was looking at Keegan Murray, um, and I think his points prop is at 12-and-a-half. Um, it's a number that he's, he's like kind of gone over against the Jazz a couple times last season, um, and it's a very high-paced game. Uh, I think the total is like in the 230s. So, yeah. you know, that's definitely a spot where, you know, you figure maybe he takes the leap. He's gotten a full year to be obviously a pro. Uh, he's gotten a full offseason as a member of the Sacramento Kings. I think that that's probably an angle for the Kings game if you wanted some late action. Yeah, I like that. It's 12 and a half. Joe Delera, great stuff, man. Appreciate you coming on with us. Hey, thanks. It's uh, always a pleasure being on, guys. Thank you for having me. Guys, I, I know I know we're supposed to be watching a lot of games here right now, but whatever the hell this AEW Dynamite thing is that's going on. Right. Yeah, I sent a picture, but I deleted it. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. There's a guy lesson. getting choked or strangled with a scarf, and he's just waving his hands real? in the oh, air. This is actually, I have to turn, I want to watch this later. That's uh, So that's Jay White. Uh -huh. He comes over from New Japan Pro Wrestling, and he's fighting MJF, who's the champion. Oh, wow. He's the heavyweight is champ. So this is a heavyweight blood? champ. Yeah, that's real blood. 
They, bla- they blade, yeah. A lot oh, of these guys they do the blading thing. Yeah, or they just really get busted open. Yeah, which is which I just is can't do. It. I, gotta, I wouldn't want to do that. We got to fix these remotes. I can't. We, I can't no, watch I mean this. we do. <laughs> I can't watch this. We do. You are you are right. I was going to tweet out a joke about Tristan making us watch AEW wrestling, but then I realized I had my uh, beef jerky in the uh, photo. I didn't want to get in trouble, so we never minded that. But yeah, um, well, hold on. I don't what, get that. What's you, that? Your jerky in the picture, and that's. I don't think we're supposed to have anything on the tables. Uh, oh, really? Okay, I think we're fine. I wouldn't worry about that. I don't want. I have to meet protocol. Okay, I don't. I don't. I guess I didn't get the memo on no that No snacks one. in the studio, although I don't eat in the studio. This is for later. This is for the drive home. <laughs> Luke, don't be looking at my jerky. I'll sell you this for five bucks. Luke, I think you should. I think you should buy it, Luke. Luke's rich now. His Steelers are back. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good point. I'm trying to get Luke An sick. early look at Hint some hit. of the Week 8 NFL props. Proper flop in five minutes. It's Ben MGM tonight.